0: clutch athletics and rich paul the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community with rising defensive football stars will anderson and chase young on the roster clutch athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes giving them style and performance on and off the field learn more and purchase clutch athletics at newbalance.com
1: hey y'all i'm bud elliott and this is cover three college football summer school We've done our research on the teams and now we're bringing on the top team experts from the 24 seven sports network to help us fill in the blanks. Please follow us on Twitter at cover three podcast. That's cover three podcast and leave us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. All right. Class is in session. All right, guys, welcome back again to the Cover 3 Podcast Summer School Edition, where I take my notebook out and we try to go through and fill in the blanks, and no better person to do that with for Texas A&M than Brian Peroni of Gig'Em 24-7. Brian, welcome to the show. I appreciate you having me on, bud. I'm, I'm really, really excited to do this one. Uh, this is the first team that I actually have a, a national title bet on for this year, and uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping to hear nothing, I mean, granted, I got great odds, uh, you know, so I feel like I had to take a take a little stab at it after having georgia last year at at 10 to 1 um let's let's briefly look at last year's team power ratings told me you know they were a, a top 10 level team that's kind of play combined with you know a very difficult schedule they did lose the qb however and they went eight and four so like the eye test it was it was a top 10 quality team but maybe not always a top 10 pretty team to watch
2: does that seem fair no, for sure. And I think the fact that they lost Haynes King was a really big deal. I mean, Zach Casado was not really ready to eat and was sort of thrown in there. a and M, I I think you've written an article about it. A&M just could not throw the ball downfield. I mean, that was a huge deal and really limited the offense. So in the losses that they had, that was really the difference is that they just couldn't get anything going in the vertical game. So they're really hoping to change that this year with whatever quarterback wins the race and uh, maybe a better offensive line as well.
1: I'm, I'm really interested in this offense this year. I I, I track all these stats. My fr- you know, friend, Bill Conley, tracks all these stats. And it, it is just weird to see a team that is just so damn good at basically all the categories. And then four years in a row, they're averaging outside the top 100 in passing explosiveness rating. I'm like, how? they don't recruit slow dudes. You know what I mean? They, they have to find a way to hit some more explosive plays, super efficient run in the ball again. They had controlled passing game, which is sort of the nature of the offense. But I think they're, do you think they can find kind of a happy medium, maybe a little middle ground here to where they're hitting a few more explosive
2: plays down the field this year? I think so. I think that, uh, I mean, when he was at Florida State, I know you got a close look at it as well. Uh, Jimbo Fisher's playbook is is a little tough on the receivers to really learn. So some yeah. of the more talented guys had it, some troubles with that. So you had maybe not the most athletic or talented guys that were on the field a ton, but that should change this year, especially with uh five-star true freshman, Evan Stewart. He had a great spring game recently, and there's some uh, real high hopes for him. You have another five-star coming in and Chris Marshall, who is a, big athletic kid who had plenty of uh, basketball offers. And then uh, Moose Muhammad is coming into his own, and yokeith Brown at slot is coming into it, and then Anaya Smith is going to play all over the place. So you do have some downfield threats for really the first time under Fisher this year.
1: Absolutely. I'm really excited to hear that uh, quarterback-wise. Haynes King, it's clear Jimbo liked him at least over Calzada last year until he got hurt in that Colorado game. They bring in Max Johnson. Uh, They also have the true freshman in in the mix. Obviously, Jimbo hasn't announced a starter yet. In the era of the portal, we're recording this today or day or two after the spring game. We're probably not going to get an announcement on that, at least not until May 1st when when that portal deadline uh, passes. But from what
2: you've heard, is is there somebody who you believe is a front runner or or at least kind of taking the step? So I honestly don't expect an announcement probably until the week of the first game. And I don't think that's really just Fisher playing games, you know, trying to keep the guys from transferring. I really think they don't know. Uh, The Hmm. recent spring game, none of the three quarterbacks had good games, just to be completely honest. There were some drops, but just uh, all three were under 50% throwing Uh, headed into the spring. I would have said Haynes King had the advantage. I now if forced to bet on it would probably say Max Johnson, but I also don't want to count out the freshman Connor Wigman. So the answer to your question is no, there's really not a front runner. All three guys got first team reps throughout the spring, but Johnson has that experience starting in the SEC and that could be the ultimate deciding factor if they're just looking for a guy to limit mistakes. I mean,
1: just, just, I, you know the team better than I do. There's no real reason for me to be that worried about the offensive line, right? They, they lose
2: a couple good players, but there's a lot of talent here. Uh, there is. The, I guess the one thing is, other than Ruben Fathery, who was a freshman All-American, there aren't really many true offensive tackles on the team. So they've got to find a guy at that left tackle position. And then, uh, you know, obviously replace a likely – first-round pick in Kenyon Green. But, no, I think the line should actually be better than last season because there's some experience coming back. And then, you know, the freshmen from last year in Fathery and center Bryce Foster have experience under their belts now.
1: For sure. Uh, So let's go ahead and flip to the other side since I feel like you covered the receiver so well. Um, Defensively, this unit carried the team last year. I mean, they were top ten national, especially when when you adjust – for opponent quality. They played a lot of really good quarterbacks and, and, and balled out. Uh, I do have some concerns up front. It looks like you probably do a little bit as well, which is kind of weird. It, so they lost all four guys who had
2: at least 400 snaps in 2021, it looks like, right? No, for sure. They had uh, five defense linemen at the NFL Combine, so that's that's tough to replace. Um,
1: but yet A&M signed not only the, the highest rated recruiting class in the history of recruiting rankings, but also the the real driver of that rating uh, was the the numerous five star defensive linemen uh, who they signed. Uh, I'm, I didn't really pay attention to which of those guys got into spring camp or not yet, uh, which is why we do summer school uh, on, on on cover three. Are who do you feel like is going to step up? What, what's the confidence level you have uh, in?
2: I mean, I assume there's going to be some kind of drop off here, I would guess, but like, is it going to be a big drop off? You think or to be to be honest, I don't know if there's going to be a drop off, and oh, I don't wow, think okay. I'm saying that as a homer. McKinley Jackson had a great, uh, true freshman campaign two years ago, and they're really hoping he gets back to that freshman form. But you know, when you lose a guy like DeMarvin Liao, who will be a you know, maybe a second day draft pick, uh, Shamar Turner, a five star from two years ago, he's sort of the same mold, but even quicker and more athletic. So, you know, that's a big deal. And then you had uh, Tumisha who missed last season with some issues and is here as a redshirt freshman, had a great spring game. Uh, He had a pair of sacks there. Uh, Anthony Lucas, a true freshman, is on campus already went through spring ball, had a great spring ball. And then you have a whole bunch of five stars that will be there in the fall. And, you know, that's a position they think uh, there are a few guys that can step in and play right away, you know, sort of Shamar Stewart from down in Miami, Walter Nolan, who was the number two Player in the country. So there's going to be a ton of depth there, and I think a lot of talent. And Shamar uh, Turner, the sophomore, I think he's a guy that a ton of people would be talking about by the end of the season.
1: Now, AM does have a coordinator change on, on the side of the ball. They, they, they went and, and they 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 stole one from, from old Miss. Old Miss, I thought, played probably above its talent level at times last year. And it's never easy running a defense opposite of, of, of Lane Kiffin. But they were very bend but don't break. Uh, but A&M, it seems like their personnel, given all the, the great experience and talent they have in the secondary, could afford to be a little more aggressive than certainly what Ole Miss ran. As Jimbo
2: or or the New DC talked about what they want to do at all there. So I think DJ Durkin is going to do a lot of the same things as Mike Elko did. It's still going to be a lot of 4 two, 5 because A&M has the personnel for that. You are maybe going to see a little bit more of an edge rusher Uh, elko didn't really try and get after the quarterback as far as sacks that often but a&m has some talented guys on campus that are good at that so i think you'll see more of that but really uh, it's gonna be pretty similar and all the guys there with more experience under their belt it shouldn't they shouldn't really have a drop off at all
1: linebacker should be just fine i would assume
2: Yeah, for sure. Edron Cooper is incredibly athletic and, uh, you know, I think he'll make a lot of plays. And then Andre White Jr. is the other projected starter. Both have a ton of experience under their belt. Depth is an issue there, but as long as they stay healthy, it'll be a good unit. All
1: right. I I know Jimbo loves hunting. If they go go hunting in the portal, what's the one position that they're still looking to bring somebody in at?
2: Well, so here's the deal. A&M signed uh, 30 players already, and they brought Max Johnson in. So there's only one spot left. Oh, right. Uh, If they were to get a guy, I mean, I think it would be an offensive tackle if they can find one, but everybody wants that. So Yes, everybody I have on this show
1: wants an offensive tackle.
2: (laughs) If not that, maybe a fast receiver. There are all these guys going in lately, but in the SEC – Kids can't transfer within the SEC if they enter the portal. I think after February first, so they're going to have to look for maybe somebody of the interest in another conference if they uh, need a guy. But really, it'd be offensive tackle if they if they for sure brought one in. I, you know, Brian, I,
1: I look at this team and I just think, okay, the schedule's difficult, uh, but at the same time, you, you're kind of you're kind of betting on numbers, right? If you have King and Johnson and and uh, you know really highly rated freshman QB kind of the, the law of large numbers says somebody should work out. And, and the logic kind of applies to defensive line as well. I don't know exactly which five-star D lineman of the freshman group will step up, but the, the odds are pretty damn good that one of those guys should.
2: So I, I, I don't know about you. I, I feel like I'm kind of bullish on the Aggies team this year. Now I think there's a reason most uh, outlets have them in the way too early uh, top five, some even higher than that. So uh, I mean, the non-conference schedule, they have Miami, but Miami's coming to College Station. And then the SEC West is always tough, but AM and has proven they can hang with and beat uh, all those teams. So, you know, it'll be interesting for sure. If they win the games they're supposed to win, they should be favored in every game but Alabama. So I think you're right to be bullish. I, I'm looking for
1: explosive plays at a and offense this year, and I'm looking for more awesome coverage from Brian Peroni and the whole crew at Gig'Em 24-7. Brian, I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me on. All right, man. Talk to you later.
0: The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
1: Hey guys, welcome back into another edition of the Cover 3 Podcast Summer School Series and we are here to talk a little East Carolina, and to do just that, we're going to be bringing on Stephen Igo of our twenty four seven Sports East Carolina site, Hoist the Colors, also the Hoist the Colors podcast. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, bud. Man, I'm I'm excited about this one. A, a team that I have have a lot of questions about uh, for twenty twenty two, and, and you know, pretty interesting. You know, kind of a mid seventies power rated team uh, last year. A, a you know, solid squad, not a not a true AAC contender, but you are know, not not one of the worst teams in the league either. Um, some of the wins, I'm a little bit feel like they're a little sketchy. You know, CSU, Tulane, USF, Temple, Navy were you know, kind of bottom of the barrel, but I feel like they also competed in some other games pretty well. Um,
3: what what was kind of the general fan feel for for what the season was last year? Right? People pretty happy with it. Yeah, I think most people were, were very happy with it just because, you, you know, you have to remember you look at East Carolina and obviously a, a pretty good tradition, you would say, for a non-Power 5 school. But the last six years leading into last year had, had just been a disaster. I mean, the controversial firing of Ruff McNeil following the 2015 season, the subsequent hire of Scotty Montgomery was met with some criticism at the time. He posted three consecutive three and nine seasons – Really, the program when Mike Houston took it over ahead of the 2019 campaign was a relative disaster, and they were at the bottom of the barrel in the American and had a a lot of ground to make up. And so it didn't happen overnight, and he didn't go the, hey, let's bring in a bunch of transfers, bring in a bunch of JUCO route. He really wanted to build it for the foreseeable future. So there were some painful days in those first two years. And then finally, in year three, you finally start to see them you know put some distance between themselves and maybe the the other part of the bottom of the league south florida temple they began to pass those teams they beat tulane and then all of a sudden they go on the road they compete with ucf they compete with houston really you can make an argument could have won those games also could have beaten south carolina at home early yeah. in the season so uh from a competitive standpoint made big big growth and it was a pretty young core much of that team is back so I think a lot of people saw it as a major step in the right direction. Now, how can they build on that?
1: Well, One of the real things I'm interested in is to see this team, and we'll get to the unit that I'm most confident in, I assume you are as well, the defense second, but I want to start with the offense here just because that's kind of how I wrote it on my sheet. Uh, lo- looking at their their stat profile last year, and I watched you know some of their games, some of their highlights in doing this, it felt like the run game on an efficiency basis was, was poor, but they had some explosive runs that if you were just looking at their average kind of hid that what do they have an ability this year to be a little more consistent with a run game to, so that
3: they're in more you know more second and six as opposed to second and eight you think yeah that's a great question i think that is the thing they want to get more consistent at because they had keaton mitchell who i think he was you know i think he's legitimately a 4-3 guy in the 40 and was timed as one of the fastest backs in the country last year and really You know, probably one of the more explosive players in college football that a lot of people probably don't know about. Uh, So they need to get him more just instead of hitting the big runs to hit some more medium runs uh, because he can clearly hit the big ones. Then they also had Rajay Harris, a kid from South Carolina who had a big freshman year in 2020, kind of took a step back. He's more of the bigger back, you know, 5'10", 215, 220. They really need to get him going in addition to Keaton Mitchell. And the biggest problem last year was just the offensive line was way too inconsistent, and they've addressed that in a big way. They've gone out. They've added three transfers, two of which will arrive uh, this summer. Parker Moore from West Virginia, a former starter there, is already in. He went through spring practice. They returned three other starters, and a lot of those guys moved positions last year, and now they're kind of settled into a spot, and you add on top of that with the transfers. They're hoping that that leads to some more continuity and consistency in the run game. I think the running back talent is is certainly there it's just a matter of whether they can be consistent up front and open those holes consistently.
1: For sure. Uh the, on kind of on on the flip side wh- while the run game was sort of inconsistent but explosive, I felt like the passing game was you know more more short passes They're a little more efficient and consistent but they they lacked the explosive play compared to you know what they were able to hit in the run game. I I got I, Make me feel better about this receiver room if you feel better about it, or maybe you don't. But like Sneed and uh um now I'm going to butcher how we say his name, uh, o- Omotosho. They're they're gone at receiver. See, is Johnson still suspended? What what's this receiver room look like? I'm a little I'm skeptical, I guess here.
3: Yeah, that's they're the one gonna... big concern with the offense is the receiver room because, like you mentioned, Omotosho, and you did get that right. Uh, okay. Omotosho is gone uh CJ Johnson is still suspended and definitely we'll see what happens there. Tyler sneed is really the reason they went so underneath last year with the short stuff. He was so dynamic in the slot, at least so consistent uh and, and so to lose him was a blow and they really were not expecting him to go pro early. He ended up passing up his 2 years of eligibility to try and take a shot at the NFL. We'll see how that works out long term, but uh, to me, that's the biggest question mark of the team, not only the offense, is, is how is this receiver position going to play out? One thing I had noticed during spring practice, you're going to see a lot more tight ends, two tight end sets. Uh, Ryan Jones had a big year, Oklahoma transfer, and I think he might end up being one of the focal points of the offense. Last year was only his first year playing offense. and had a pretty big season. Shane Calhoun's another young tight end they really like. But they're bringing in a transfer from Toledo, Isaiah Winstead, I saw him at the spring game. He's not here yet, but he he was visiting. He's a legitimate 6'3", 215. He's a big boy. Proven receiver. You know, they think he can be a number one in this offense. Time will tell there. And I, I ultimately think they'll add another transfer as well. They also added uh, Jalen Johnson, a transfer from Georgia, who was a former walk-on who ended up getting a scholarship there. He missed a good chunk of the spring with a hamstring. So, that's really the one position where they're trying to shore up and they don't want it to hold them back from maybe having the, the breakout season that they believe they can have. They, they believe in Ailers. Yeah, I think so okay. for sure. I think they believe in Ailers, And I think that, you know, it's not the prettiest quarterback to watch in the world in terms of throwing motion and athleticism and all that, but they love his, you know, he's just a gamer. Uh, mentally he gets the game as well as anybody. He's such a leader uh, can set, you know, can get the offense in and out of the right plays based on what the defense is doing. Um, this is his basically fourth and a half year as a starting quarterback. It ends up starting the whole season due to the extra year of COVID uh, eligibility. So he's got the experience. They believe in him. Second half of last year is is kind of the Holt Nailers they envision. And what they need to do is they just struggled to begin these, these last few seasons under Mike Houston. They need to find a way to start the season strong or at least offensively, to have a good start to the season, which has been a struggle under this regime.
1: Excellent. All right, so switching over here to the defense real quick. Front seven should be pretty damn nice by AAC standards,
3: right? Yeah, it should be. I mean, they have basically everybody back, and they added a grad transfer and, and Chandra Mims from Charleston Southern, who was an All-American at the FCS level. So, I mean, they should be really good. They, they lose two part-time starting linebackers, but really – the guys stepping in for them play just as much. And they have one guy who's a former all-conference guy, and Xavier Smith, an inside linebacker, who will now return to inside linebacker full-time after playing a couple different spots last year. So I feel really good about the front seven. I, I think that, you know, Elijah Morris is a third-year defensive lineman who can play all over. Rick DeBru is another third-year guy. Uh, Emmanuel Hickman, I mean, they, they, they're legitimately two to three deep up front, which, as you mentioned, you know, by the American standard, Usually, it's it's tough for those conferences to really stockpile defensive line talent. And see you know, they don't have tremendous length up front, uh, but they do have good size and good depth, which is a, a good problem to have. So let's let's move to the to the
1: back back four back five. This is kind of the one area where I I guess for the defense, if you have to have a concern, maybe it's not a concern. Uh, but I feel like they. It did allow quite a few explosive plays last year. Now, part of that, I think, was just maybe the style of defense that Mike Houston teams play. Are you worried about DB? What are your kind of thoughts there?
3: So I I would consider myself somewhat in the middle. I mean, I think they uh, they lost DJ Ford, who was a North Carolina transfer. Uh, He came in as a grad transfer, played one year. But I really feel like the safeties that will go from kind of part-time players to full-time starters have the chance to really – uh, elevate the defense, and Tegan Wilk and Julius Wood. Um, you know, time will tell. Everybody looks good in spring practice, so we'll see come the season. But I just like what I saw just from a, you know, consistency standpoint this spring compared to the last few years of safety. You know, corner, that I feel really good about Malik Fleming. He'll be starting on one side. The other side is, is a major question mark. You're losing Jaquan McMillan, who was an All-American uh, pro Football Focus had him graded as the highest-rated cornerback in terms of coverage in the country at the FBS level. So he was a premium lockdown corner, and it's just hard to go out and replace that with another guy coming in. I mean, there's there's two or three guys behind him for that position. Uh, time will tell, but you would hope that the you know the ability and the depth of the front seven can maybe kind of mask uh, that cornerback spot at least to allow somebody to get their feet wet. But I do think. You know, Blake Carroll, the defensive coordinator, he plays in a, a very aggressive style of defense. They blitz a ton and they have been susceptible to giving up big plays, but they're also one of the best third down defenses in the country. So if they can find a way to limit the explosives and, and continue that third down efficiency, I really like where this defense is going. No doubt about it. Steven, I go hoist the colors. Listen to him on the Hoist
1: the Colors podcast as well. Everything East Carolina and the 24 Sports Network. Thanks for joining us, man.
3: Thanks, bud.
1: Hey guys, welcome back in to the Cover 3 Summer School Edition, talking a little college football here and next on my list of teams to make sure that I'm filling in all the blanks is Pitt and no better follow for Pitt than Johnny McGonigal of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. You can follow him on Twitter at jmcgonigal9.
5: Johnny, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, bud. I appreciate it.
1: I'm, I'm excited to talk a little Pitt. I feel like uh, I'm very high on Pitt. We get some stuff on social media saying I shouldn't be so high on Pitt, but I, I feel like there's a lot of pieces here and I want to just kind of fill in some of these blanks and uh 11 and three overall last year I, all the power ratings said they were a legitimate top 10 team I think the, the draft will show that over the next next two years probably um, but I, I want to start with the offense because it, it could look potentially different this year uh, Mark Whipple is out as OC are, are you anticipating anything really different with with a new play caller?
5: Yeah, I think it's interesting, um, with Mark Whipple leaving and, you know, resigning a few days after the ACC championship game and going to Nebraska, uh, they bring in Frank Cignetti Jr. Who had been here at Pittsburgh previously. He got a start here. Uh, he's from the area. Uh, he was a GA way back when, and, uh, was the OC under, uh, Dave Wonstett for a couple seasons as well. And so he's back and he brings, you know, this pro style system that he's developed over the years. He was an NFL assistant for a very long time. And, uh, you talk to Keaton Slovis. You talk to Nick Patty, and you know they've been uh, they've been shown cutups of Aaron Rodgers and Eli Manning running the same concepts and routes that uh, they're going to be running this upcoming season. And so, uh, look, I think uh, I think you know, this is going to be a pro style system. And uh, but the one thing that throughout spring that we've heard from players, coaches, everyone is that they're going to run the ball more. Uh, they were one of the most pass happy teams in the country the last three seasons under Mark Whipple, and I think. Uh, they're going to be handing the ball off a little bit more to Izzy ivana to Vincent Davis, and uh, the running backs they have.
1: Is that – it leads kind of perfectly to my next question. Obviously, Kenny Pickett went to New York. He was a, a Heisman finalist. Uh, probably not getting that out of Keaton Slovis. Don't know, but I, if you're playing the odds, he's probably not a not a Heisman finalist. Most people are not. What, what kind of drop-off do you anticipate from Pickett to Slovis, and, and do you think that they would have tried to run the ball – more if you had the oc change but pickett came back or do you think this is more of hey we need to be better at running the ball in case the quarterback play is not quite as good as we had it
5: i think it's more of the latter and uh, even talking to running backs coach uh, andre Powell earlier during camp he said that the team setup is just better this year than it was last year uh, for the running game to kind of take the lead when you have a guy like kenny pickett who you know was so experienced in general and then also specifically with mark whipple's offense and the the schemes and the concepts and the routes and everything. I mean, you got you got a guy who's that good and that good at knowing an offense. You rely on him, right? He's he's the guy that uh, will propel you to what they were last year, which is an ACC champion. Uh, but when you got a new guy coming in, you know, at coordinator at quarterback, the running game is an easy thing to lean on. Especially you look up front what they have. Their entire offensive line is coming back. Carter Warren, especially left tackle, could have uh, gone to the NFL. He had a Senior Bowl invite. He decides to come back and so does the rest of the guys as well. And so when you've got that continuity up front, you got a guy in Jordan Addison, the Blitnikoff award winner obviously as well. And so uh, they've got weapons surrounding uh, Keaton Slovis, assuming he ends up being the the starter. Pat Narduzzi hasn't, you know, given us, uh, you know, a, a, an official announcement on that, but that is the expectation obviously after transferring over from USC. And uh, so I think whoever the quarterback is, uh, they're going to have a running game and they're going to have an offensive line in front of them to uh, help them out.
2: Um
1: I had a question for you. How has Mumfield looked? at Akron last year, passing game-wise, was kind of a disaster, but he was a, a bright spot uh, for them in, in recent years, that the receiver transfer that Pitt took.
5: Yeah, I mean, he was one of the most sought-after guys in the portal in terms of young talent, and uh, was a freshman All-American last year, over 700 yards, eight touchdowns, and uh, he's really, you know, he's fit the bill. Uh, he's uh, He's been as advertised. And uh, I think the coaching staff is really happy with how he's looked and how he's performed during spring camp. Uh, First play of the spring game uh, this past weekend, he catches a 55-yarder from uh, Nick Patty, And so I think he's going to be a big part of this offense. Uh, And you look at what's around him and in that wide receiver room, uh, you lose Taysier Mack, uh, who was, uh, when healthy, one of the better receivers over the last few years. But, you know, Mumfield, Addison, and Jared Wayne, who I think was maybe the unsung player, uh, really, of that offense and of that team last year, second-leading receiver. And so you've got Three really good guys uh, to lean on and three guys that you can really interchange, whether it's slot outside, uh, bring a, a lot of different looks um, that you know, defense is going to have to deal with.
1: No doubt about it. Also losing uh, my guy, Shockey, uh, from from down, down in Fort Myers. But uh, it seems like this is still pretty, pretty loaded room. Um, let's switch to the other side of the ball, if, if, if you would. Uh, I mean. This is a Pat Narduzzi team. For a while, I was following what he did at Michigan State, and then I, I was following what he did at Pitt, and I was like, I just, I don't know if he's got the guys to run what he wants to run. And like the last couple of years, I feel like those guys have, have fallen into place, and they stopped giving up so many explosive plays and, and without really sacrificing the tackles for loss and knocking offenses off schedule. It's like once he got the dudes in there who could run what he wanted to run, it, it looked kind of like the Michigan State defenses used to look. And this year – Am I wrong on this? All seven defensive linemen who played 250-plus snaps are back?
5: Yeah. Uh, Keyshawn Camp is really the only guy that they lose, and you know he's been out in and out of the lineup uh, over the last few years because of injury. Uh, and so you look at, I think it's like 37 sacks came from the defensive line last year, and 35 of them returned. And so you've got Habibaldonado on the outside. He, he had an NFL decision to make, and he would have been drafted if he left, but uh, decided to come back. And uh, he had nine sacks last year, and there were – uh, Charlie Partridge, a defensive line coach, told us this earlier in camp that he felt there were six or seven, you know, would be sacks that he was just inches away from getting last year. And so he's hoping to add that to his tally. And you've got Deslin Alexander, John Morgan, Deion Hayes here from Pittsburgh as uh, a guy who I think will step up and uh, be a, a bigger part of the rotation at the end. And on the inside, Kalaja Kansi is, you know, one of the best players in the ACC, not just on this team. I mean, he's going to be a preseason All American guy uh, and, and showed that last year. So, they're super deep at defensive and, and defensive tackle even, and not just Kancy. You guys got Devin Danielson, and the, I can just rattle off these names, That all these guys are back. And so that really helps when you uh, have to fill holes at linebacker. And uh, uh, when, when the defense, really, you leave your corners out on an island, then you let your DBs do their thing, and really just let's get after the quarterback. Uh, they're pretty well set there in that department.
1: So going to the, going to that secondary commission, letting those guys you know be on an island, five of six guys who played 350 plus snaps return uh, this year. Are, are you expecting them to just to be able to hold serve what they did last year? Or Do you think there's a real chance, like a, a like, the, are you expecting to be better or just can they hold serve? You're not really expecting drop off. I would assume given that who returns.
5: No, I'm not expecting much of a drop off there. I mean, you lose Damari Mathis who uh, in 2019 was, you know, in terms of completion rate allowed was one of the better corners in the country. And uh, last year he was one of the better corners in the country against uh, the run. So you lose a guy who has a lot of experience, um, but at the same time at corner, you have Marquez Williams, who they have a lot of faith in and has stepped up from the leadership uh, role in that room. A.J. Woods uh, has you know really grown uh, from the start of last season. Uh, he had a rough Tennessee game up until you know, having, having a great ACC championship game against Wake Forest, and so they expect a lot out of him. Um, and then even depth pieces like Rashad Battle moving back from safety to corner. So I don't think you're going to miss a lot uh, at corner. And then at safety, Brandon Hill and Eric Hallett are two guys who – you know, stepped in and and replacing uh, DeMar Hamlin and Paris Ford from the previous season, those guys had to learn really how to play with each other last year. And I think they ultimately did a pretty good job, uh, but not having to learn how to play with each other, now just going out and knowing and just having that mutual understanding back there and knowing how to set up the defense and run everything, I think is – uh, really going to be helpful uh when you have got that kind of continuity in the back end so i don't think you're going to see like these major jumps uh in, in turnovers or anything or are really going to see this major drop off i think you're just kind of you know hold serve like you said and uh and continue to be solid back there
1: i mean that this just feels like a patner doozy team with a nasty defense probably a more reliable run game still have weapons on the outside it this may just all circle back to the first question we talked about which which was you know qb what what is the actual drop off there i mean if if he's good, Pitt could be favored in all ten, in like all 12 games.
5: For sure. And the way that I've always phrased it is, you know, Kenny Pickett last year was an 11 out of 10. He was yeah. just just on point every, pretty much every single drive, every single play, every single game. I don't think they need Keaton Slovis to be an 11 out of 10, with the guys around him and given the schedule and look, you open with West Virginia and that's a rivalry game. And then you have Tennessee coming in after that. So that's where I can see the running game. You want to get that going early and try and alleviate some of the pressure Uh, off of Slovis uh, early against power five opponents, but uh, this team is set up to be a winner. Uh, You know, it just is, you know, you look at what they have in the ACC coastal and I look at what Pat Narduzzi is bringing now in his eighth season, that's stability. Uh, There's four other teams in the coastal that are, you know, establishing an identity, establishing a culture. You know, they already have that going for themselves at Pitt. I mean, they unveiled the ACC championship trophy, got their rings uh, this past weekend, and they're looking for another one. And so, uh, I think they have an opportunity to do that at the very least, uh, to be, I think, favorites in the Coastal and then uh, get back to the ACC Championship game.
1: No doubt about it. Johnny McGonigal, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Please make sure you guys follow him at McGonigal 9 uh, Sorry, one more time, at McGonigal 9 Johnny, really appreciate you joining Cover
5: 3 Summer School Edition. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, bud. Appreciate it.
1: All right, buddy. Take care. All right, that's the bell. Cover 3 College Football Summer School is over for today. But don't worry, we'll be back soon with even more episodes filling you in on the top teams in college football. Please give us those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow us on YouTube and on Twitter at Cover3Podcast. And we'll see you all soon.
6: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or...